Welcome to Book Talk with Kara Putman. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Kara Putman, the award-winning, best-selling author of more than 30 novels. I write romantic legal suspense and World War II romance, but I read voraciously. Each week, I'll introduce you to one of my favorite author friends as we talk books, writing, and life. Be sure to check back frequently for new episodes. This podcast is sponsored by Ravel Fiction and Second Time Around by Melody Carlson. When empty nester Mallory Farrell inherits a rundown tourist shop, she never expects to rediscover her love for the funky coastal Oregon town or her now widowed teenage crush. With his help, she may just be able to renovate the shabby shop and her lackluster love life. Learn more about Second Time Around by heading to bakerbookhouse.com, where you can receive 30% off and free U.S. shipping on your purchase. Welcome to Book Talk. Today, I am so excited to have Melody Carlson with me, and I don't even feel like I really need to introduce her because she has over 200 novels that she's written uh, for teens and women, as well as then probably over 100 gift books and children's books. So just about everybody has probably read or seen books by Melody. And today we're gonna to talk about her book that released in March, second time around. And Melody, do you have the cover, the book there with you again? Cause I just love this cover. It is so beautiful. It's a so fun one. It is. So congratulations on the release of this book. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about this. Cause I still, I'm a little hung up on the idea that you have almost 8 million books in print, 300 some titles probably that you've written. How do you even come up with ideas to have a new book like Second Time Around come out? So how did you come up with the idea for this particular book? Wow, okay, that is a good question. <laughs> um, I think it was the name of her store came to me first for some reason. I, I she, she, she creates this little store, but the name of it was called Romancing the Home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know where that came from. I mean, it, yeah, uh, Romancing the Stone was an old thing, but um, I just thought, well, how fun would that be to have a, a design shop for the home that was just all about making the home really special? So that that's a part of the story. And um, but yeah, my, I just, just come from all different kinds of places. I'm, I'm actually wondering, did I have that in a dream was that because when they're strange like that sometimes they are from a dream so i'm not i'm not sure i can't remember but it, yeah i i used to work for a designer for a short time because i thought i wanted to do interior design i've done a lot of oddly unrelated things and um i think at the, at the time that i wrote this too we were building our home and so i was probably even more focused on interior design so they just come from all places, but because I really love the whole DIY and all of that, that shows up in my books a lot, I'm told, but I think a lot of readers enjoy that too. So, yeah. I, there was a time where when we had satellite TV, I don't remember which one, Dish or Direct TV or something, where my husband and I realized we were watching a lot of those do-it-yourself TV shows, whether it was Design on a Dime or, you know, the ones where it's sorting, if you're like a hoarder. We're like, we're not even hoarders, but we're like fascinated by watching people go through all their stuff and what do we pitch and what do we give away and what do we keep and all of that. So I do think there's like this fascination with whether it's, you know, Joanna Gaines and Magnolia or 
whatever the show is, just seeing what can be, what's possible in the hands of someone, taking something that's maybe broken or worn down and turning it into something that's just beautiful and really enjoyable and relaxing. So how does that show up in this particular story second time around? Well, the, the woman in the story, her name is Mal Mallory Farrell, and she's an empty nester who's been a designer. And her backstory, which you just get a little bit of this in the book, is that um, she had a marriage that fell apart while they were restoring this old Victorian house. And I think she sort of blamed the house a little bit, but there was there was really more wrong than that. So she ends up raising her kids alone and she has to support herself as a designer. And it just starts out small and then continues to grow. And then finally she's at the place where her kids are gone and she's stuck with this great big house and she inherits this old beat up um, beachy tourist shop on the coast in Oregon. Of course, Oregon, because that's where I live. <laughs> and it's a good place. Um, so she is she thinks she's gonna sell this little shop but she has these childhood memories and and is kind of amazed that her grandma left it to her. And so th that's where things start to change as she gets to the coast and she starts imagining, as any designer would do, what, what could be done with this funky old shop. And it comes into romancing the home. And so does it catch the eye? It, it seems like there's a do-it-yourself like producer or something who gets involved. and Exactly. Yeah, she's got a show. I'm now I'm trying to remember what the name of her show is. It's it has some like Design Northwest or something like that. And she's this new, um, new new show. And she learns about the shop through a mutual friend. And she comes. And of course, by then, and Mallory has completely turned the shop into this amazing place. And the, their town's kind of been neglected as far as being a tourist place on the coast, where there are a few towns like that in the Oregon coast. Some of them just flourish, and some don't. And so the hope is that having the show, you know, that this will bring more traffic into the town. Mm -hmm. But um, after she kind of books the show, uh, she decides she wants to do Mallory's own home, her own, because it's romancing the home. So Mallory's home must be wonderful. Well, Mallory has since sold her Victorian home that's away from there anyway. And she's got this really ratty, awful apartment upstairs that her grandma hadn't done anything to, you know, the whole time that she owned it, you know, it was just trashy. And Mallory hasn't had time to do anything to it. So it's just, it's really ugly. <laughs> and they're going to include that in the show. So Mallory, of course, is flipped out and wants to cancel the whole thing. And the pressure's on her because the town all knows about it. And of course, the hero is a contractor that she's gone back and forth with, you know, because he wanted to tear the whole place down and build this big mall. And she fought him on that. But She's kind of, you know, of course, they're in love, but it goes back and forth. But it, it, it's just kind of fun. It, it's kind of like HGTV meets, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. it, does, it sounds like a lot of fun. Now, on the bookshelves behind you are just a few of the books that you've written. And when you're, like I said, you know, when you're thinking about, you've written all these books and you're coming up with new ideas, because this is not your last book. I know you've worked on probably several since you turned this one into your editor. How do you come up with what's next? Do you have like certain themes that you know are gonna go into your books or do you just wait to see what's gonna catch your fancy and kind of give you a, an idea or a character that you're like, oh, I've gotta go chase that one down. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's no rhyme or reason, but yeah. uh, you know, the, I'm trying to think of the last, I've been doing kind of a big novel a year and there, there's, there was sort of a pattern to them. I didn't really plan it, but there was like, 
the happy camper. And then there was one about tiny homes. And then there's one where that was just out last year looking for Leroy where they take off in a trailer. So there's kind of been this little bit of a thing. Um, this one is a little bit different. And the one I just finished, that'll be next year's book. And they just changed the title on that. I don't know if I, oh, just, it's called just for the summer. And um, it's about two women that job swap, um, which is really fun. Yeah, because it just gets wacky. But I, I think lately, well, lately in the last, I don't know how many years, I've been more focused on writing kind of just the fun, rom-com, lighthearted. I did a lot of heavy books early in my writing career. And I think I had it in me to do that then, but not really so much anymore. So yeah, but fun is probably bigger theme than anything right now. Yeah, well, I think that, I mean, I just think about even the books I've been reading lately, there's so much you think about like the earthquakes or school shootings or things like that. There's so much going on in the world around us that can feel really heavy. But then when I'm reading, I really am looking for something where I'm gonna literally laugh out loud. I was reading uh, Becky Wade's latest earlier this week and there was a moment where I literally was laughing out loud and my husband was like, what are you reading? And I'm like, oh, I've got to read this section to you. I think there's a lot of us who are just looking for that, something that's gonna actually kind of lift our spirits or remind us that there's joy and there's light and life around us. So it can be easy to go, oh, rom-com, but it's important. You know, those are the movies I gravitate back towards and I wish they made more of those, but you've turned some of your books into screenplays. What's that like? Because it's one thing to have, you know, like when we're writing a novel, we're creating all of the sensory details and screenplays are very different. They are very different. Um, my first Hallmark movie, it was adapted by a, a team of two sisters. And I went up there and watched it being filmed and kind of studied what they'd done to the script in the book. And I'd already done some adaptations. So anyway, I I thought, okay, the next one I'm going to do myself. So the next one, I had just finished writing it, The Happy Camper. And I went ahead and did the adaptation. And that movie, well, it got put on hold because of COVID. I don't know how many times. And then finally, about a year ago, it was um, filmed. And it just released um, this month on Up TV, on Up Faith and Family. It's still playing. And I think it's still playing on Up too. But um, it was... It's a learning experience to answer your question. What's the difference yeah. between a book and a screenplay? Yeah, it's like, of course, a screenplay is much tighter and shorter, but you've got the film advantage where you can, in just a moment, you know, show things that it might take a whole chapter to write. But then on the other hand, you can't, it's, it is really apples and oranges because you can't do the same thing in a, in a script that you can do in a book. It, it made me actually even appreciate writing books a little bit more because you really get to ramble and you get to go places in a book that, unless you have just like some huge million dollar, multi-million dollar budget, it's really hard to do. And on our little low budget films, you know, you, you just have to think tight and what can be done and how many, you know, scenes is it's going to have and how much is that scene going to cost? I just did an adaptation of next year's Christmas um, book that <laughs> it's crazy because it's, my book actually starts, or it's in um, a make-believe town where, or a country actually in, in Europe where there's, it's kind of a royalty kind of book. Mm -hmm. And then I adapted it for South Africa, which is a totally different climate and for a black audience because the woman that wanted it, wanted it for that. So talk about really <laughs> changing oh, things. I totally flipped it from hemispheres. 
but, um, but so that was really a good learning experience for me, but, uh, it, it is different. It's, it's a, it, it makes my brain work harder, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. I would think that that would be totally different. Cause like when I'm writing, I tend to see almost the movie playing and then I'm trying to capture what are the key details? What are the key, you know, sensory, what are they smelling? What are they hearing? What are they seeing? What, what are those key things that need to be conveyed? And then what can the reader fill in on their own? Like, I don't tend to be real heavy on physical descriptions because I'm like, you can fill in a lot of details on what you think the hero should look like or what you think the heroine should look like. But the setting to me needs to be like almost a character in itself. And, but every writer is different on kind of how they calibrate that. And so, but then when you have like a script, I think it's really dialogue heavy and some of those kinds of things. I think it would be just a completely different writing experience. I'm not sure I could do it. Oh, I, I bet you could. Um, but and I kind of do the way that you do too. I like to leave stuff to the, to the reader's imagination. I'd like to, I like to set the scene and I do often see the setting as a character. And I, I don't, like you, you said, I don't usually dwell as much on the physical characteristics because I think the reader does like to imagine them. So I totally agree. But dialogue is hugely important. And I think that's the reason I first started getting interest from producers was because I, I do a lot of dialogue in my books. I don't think I realized I was doing as much mm -hmm. as I was, but um, like my Christmas novellas, for instance, they're just about the same length as a script and there's a lot of dialogue. So they're pretty easy to adapt in a way, but um, the larger novels take a little more work because you have to pare it down. And, and like I said, if you're a, a small budget, you've got to think about that, you know, what's, what's going to cost a fortune and what's not. So but I yeah. bet you could do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe when I get bored with, you know, writing novels and I'm like, okay, I need to learn something new. I'll, I'll try it. But I, my hats go off to those of you who do both, because I think that they're both different skill sets. You know, there's a, there's a different way that you approach the story and the thinking about it. But I always love watching the behind the scenes on movies, you know, like how the writers decided what to put in and what not to, and how they pick character or, you know, the actors and actresses that portray the characters and all of that. Um, so when you're thinking about your writing, what does a, a typical day look like? Because you're essentially a full-time writer, but I know that's not all that goes on in your life. There's so much more. You're building houses, you've got all the marketing, you've got all these other things that are happening. What does a typical day look like for Melody Carlson, author extraordinaire? <laughs> yeah, well, um, when I'm actually on a deadline, which I am this month, although I did actually finish the book. Now I just need to clean it up. But yeah. um, I, I kind of tend to get into my office, you know, maybe nine. I, I don't go as early as I used to. And um, th then I usually have, you know, the typical email kind of things and marketing kind of things. And, you know, if I have an interview or whatever, you know, blogging, trying to do that. And then I get into seriously writing probably, you know, 10, 10 ish. And then I put in usually about a six hour day. I used to do longer, but I'm not doing as many books as I used to do. So I do give myself a little more grace, a little more time, which I'm enjoying. Yeah. And when I'm not, when I'm not on a deadline, a lot of times I don't go into my office, but then I can only go so many days <laughs> before mm -hmm. I just get, you know, like, and even though I've been done with this book, um, just only for a week, but I was giving myself a break, but then an idea came to me for kind of a short story and somebody to ask for something. And so I, 
just sat down yesterday and did it. And it was just, it was so fun because it's so different from what I was working on. And then of course, then I get an idea for a new book and then I got to get back. But um, mm-hmm. I do try to give myself a break, you know, stay out of the office. And yeah, you, you, I think you need to refresh your brain. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the things I had to learn the hard way because I tended to be, um, because I've got a full-time job plus a family and the writing. And so I was like, I've got a deadline and I have to just write this many words a day. I just have to do it regardless. And realizing that there's actually a purpose and a rhythm to kind of stepping away and giving myself a break, especially if the words aren't coming and then coming back to it. And that there's actually, that's part of the creative process, at least for me in being able to go. And like people who just stop reading, when they're writing, I'm like, I can't do that. I might read a different genre when I'm writing, but I'm always reading and I'm always um, reading nonfiction or looking for ideas for that next book while I'm working on this one so that I've got like lots of different ideas going. Um, And so it's always fun to kind of hear how other people do it. Cause I think there is you walk away and then at a certain point you start going, oh, okay, I'm ready. I need to to start creating something, whether it's a short story or a novella or, or whatever, but it's just kind of part of who you are. Yeah, it's hard not to. I used to jokingly say to my husband, if I wasn't creating, you know, with the words, I'd probably be redecorating our house all the time, which could get expensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but it's like, I need to do something creative. And like, when it's wintertime, you know, I'm not going to be out in the garden. And right now we've got enough snow to build a really good snowman. But <laughs> yeah, I need to do something. Yeah. So how do you celebrate when you get to the end of a book? Do you have some way that you kind of commemorate, oh, I'm done. This is a huge accomplishment. Or is it just kind of, this is my job and I've done it. And now I'm on to the next one. It's probably kind of turned into, this is my job and I've done it. And, and I feel relieved. I, I know I used to do more early in the game. I used to get a massage every time I finished a book, but then I was writing so many books. It, I'm literally, I was like the book of the month club and I, I quit doing the massage thing. I, I think it just got, you know, old. And so I don't really do much. I'm thinking I, now that I'm writing less books, I should probably celebrate more. But <laughs> yeah, I had a friend ask me, you know, the release on this, what are you going to do to celebrate that? And I'm like, huh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's something I'm just not good at. And it's so easy just to be like, okay, that one's done. Now turn and go to the next one. And so I'm still looking for, okay, what's the right way to be like, hey, that's a huge accomplishment. Book is turned in or book is coming out. And so my husband started bringing me flowers and I'm like, that's something, that's some way to acknowledge as a family. Okay, there's something big that's happened. But I have another friend who collects charms on a bracelet. And I'm like, that would be expensive to start doing now and have to go back and get 40. But there's gotta be some way to be like, ooh, this is, this is something meaningful because it is a big accomplishment with every book, but I think it's so hard to do. Um, so are you a plotter or a pantser? Totally pantser. And I feel like, I, I remember using that phrase, you know, writing by the seat of my pants like 30 years ago before yeah. anybody, I, I never heard anybody saying pantser and that now it's like, now everybody says it. I'm sure I wasn't the first person, but I remember shocking people by telling them that at a Kylie Bruce retreat, like way early on, and they're like, well, you know, how can you, <laughs> then people started coming out of the closet and admitting they were pantsers too. <laughs> Are you? Um, I tend to be more of a plotter, uh-huh. but um, 
I think it's because a lot of the publishers I wrote for at the beginning of my career required a chapter by chapter. So the first probably eight books required it. And then I had a couple where I was able to do like the two page synopsis. And then I did a bunch for guidepost where it wasn't quite a chapter by chapter, but it was a pretty detailed, here's where the mystery's going and all of that. And now I'm kind of in between where okay. um, the book I'm, I have to write this month though, I have to write it fast. So I actually took the time to sit down and do, basically here's like a 20 chapter outline where there's a pretty good paragraph or two for each chapter because I'm going to have to write it really fast. And so then I can just kind of string the pearls together and be like, okay, here's the book, have fun editor and go from there. But it kind of depends now. Um, but I, I find if I don't have some kind of detailed understanding, I hit the halfway point and I just, I don't know what's going on. And sometimes it's because I don't know my characters well enough. So sometime around that quarter to third of the way, maybe 40%, if I haven't done enough work ahead of time, it kind of falls apart for me. And so I'm giving myself more time up front to make sure I understand my characters and at least some of the plot points, because then I can just write faster, um, even if they don't require the chapter by chapter. So I just think it's fascinating. That's really actually really good advice. I think I should take it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. because the book I just finished, um, it had two kind of main characters in it because they're trading jobs. And, yeah. and it was kind of almost at the halfway point that I had to stop and, and really think about the motivation and who they were and what their backstory was. I, I mean, I sort of knew, but I needed to get to know them better because I'm going back and forth and back and forth between these two characters. And it's like, I had to pause. <laughs> But I didn't yeah. do any outlining, but I had to pause and really think about it. Yeah, and I've just realized it's often that I don't know what's motivating them. I don't know the conflict. I don't know how they have to grow. And so then there's not enough tension or the plot kind of fizzles out because there's just not enough going on inside the character or the conflict's not really there. So I can either kill somebody and that'll kick the plot off <laughs> or I can stop and figure out, okay, what's going on and how do I dig deeper. And so I had to write a book really, really fast, uh, a full-length novel uh, between October and, and January because of just some things that happened. And so I gave myself October because I had like a paragraph. I didn't even have a hero. And so I gave myself October to figure out the plot and the characters because I knew otherwise there was no way I'd be able to write it fast enough. And it worked. It was a lot, a lot of long days sitting in the chair. But I had to keep reminding myself, I know my process. I know if I don't take this time now where it feels like all I'm doing is reading books and staring at a screen, it's not gonna work in November and December, but that was hard. Cause you feel like, I, at least I feel like I'm not productive if there's not words showing up on the screen. And there were days there weren't words. And then there were days there were 8,000 words because I knew my characters and I knew what was gonna happen, so. Yeah, it's fun when you really start to fly because you and you know it's the story that's pulling you along. Yes, and it I don't like to do eight thousand word days. Two thousand is like a really good rhythm for me. I can do that in an hour and a half, two hours. Do like a two thousand word chapter, but it's really it's when you hit that sweet spot and you can pull out that eight thousand word day. You're like, okay, I'm in the groove, and now I need the treadmill because I feel like I haven't moved at all. <laughs> And you maybe you need a bouquet of flowers that day too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Or I need a standing desk or something where I can move around. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you? Um, well, the next book that I'll be working on, well, I don't know. 
I probably I'm going to do an adaptation next, but the next book that's it'll be a Christmas novella that's due in the summertime. So that's yeah. the next, you know, contracted scheduled thing. But I do want to do an adaptation in between here and there. And then and then, yeah, then I have a couple of new book ideas that I want to play with a little bit. I don't yeah. know. We'll, and and have some downtime. We've been talking about taking a motorhome trip when the weather gets better, but yeah. maybe in the yeah so trying to get everything kind of squared away in the meantime that's great well thank you so much for joining me it's been so much fun to talk about your new book second time around and just your writing process and everything and uh congratulations it's a wonderful book and i think readers are really going to enjoy it and i'll hold it up again <laughs> yeah it's i love the cover it is just it's the kind of place i want to go and hang out so they did a wonderful job with it yeah. So congratulations and thank you again. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, remember you can join us live on my Facebook page on Tuesday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the next conversation. I'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review on your favorite platform. I love to hear from you, so be sure to leave a comment on this episode's show page at caraputman.com, and you can also interact with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget, when you join my e-newsletter, I send you a copy of Dying for Love, the novella that launches the Hidden Justice series, as my gift to you. Thanks again for tuning in.